This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning, good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. It's a good day, huh? A little fall in the air, so it's wonderful. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you. If you're watching by live stream, I'm glad you're here. If you need a Bible, we're glad you need a Bible. Get your hand up and we'll get you one. A lot of glads here. Uh, I don't know if you're watching this. Keep your hand up or ushers get your Bible. Actually, once you go to the uh, got your Bible, go with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Remember, Jonah's tucked in there between a guy named Obadiah and a guy named Micah. So if you get in that general area, you're getting close. Jonah, chapter 3. Again, I was going to say that if you've watched the news at all the last couple of days here, a lot going on in our world, specific in an area called Israel. And so, so much of end time stuff plays off of Israel. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're, we're charged to pray for the nation of Israel. Psalms 122.6 says, pray the peace of Jerusalem. So again, we need to be praying for that nation, and we'll probably do that at the end of the service here. But remember those verses. There's a reason the Lord says that. So again, you're going to Jonah 3. This is our last week on this, but one of the greatest truths to start out this morning with is God doesn't change. Mankind changes, but God doesn't. And that's biblically in, in Malachi 3, 6, that God is faithful, God is consistent, God's love never changes, and God's truth never changes. The truth there is, Psalms 119, verse 89, it says, forever my word is settled in heaven. So you got to understand some things with Father God. He doesn't change. So we get here to the book of Jonah chapter 3. And the first week, Jonah gets swallowed by a, a whale. Then last week, Jonah gets spit up on the beach. And so we remember some of those things. So we pick up today. Now I'm just warning you, the Word of God is going to come alive to you. It's going to challenge you today in some areas of your life. Because when God wrote through the book of Jonah... That wasn't just for Jonah. I believe this is incredible insight to us. So Jonah 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The second time. And so in reading that right there, God never quit pursuing Jonah and God will never quit pursuing you. But he said he came to him the second time. That shows God's mercy. God is a God of a second chance. Period, 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 period. How many of you need a a second chance with God? Maybe right now. That's a good thing. God is the God of a second chance. And so when I say he's the God of a second chance, that screams mercy. That's what that shouts toward us. Mercy and mercy is I don't get what I deserve. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. So God is giving Jonah a second chance. Now, the interesting thing with the second chance is it's interesting to me that when we get off track the first time, God always brings us back right there where we got off track. And God says, okay, I'm going to bring you back where you derailed, and we're going to start there, and we're going to get you going again. So he said the second time, keep reading with me, saying, Jonah... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I shall tell you. Now, this is kind of a heavy one again. 
because I believe this is a wake up. Wake up, Jonah. And if you looked back in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, it's almost identical what he told him in chapter 1, and here he tells him again in chapter number 3. Go to Nineveh and preach the word that I tell you. Now, if you're a history buff, many believe that Nineveh is in modern-day Mosul, Iraq, or Mosul, right, Iraq, however you pronounce it. I want to highlight something to you about the people of Nineveh again. They were brutal. They were ruthless. They were violent. They were some rough folk. And it's interesting that God gives him an assignment and says, I want you to go back to Nineveh. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh. And it's almost like everything stops and let's give old Jonah a standing ovation. He obeyed. So right here, you know what God does with Jonah that he does with me and you? He gives us an opportunity to right our wrong. And God still does that. That's his grace and his mercy. So Jonah arose. So this tells me he got on the right ship this time. And he went to Nineveh. Now listen, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. So it was a big city. It would take Jonah three days to walk across there. But God has given Jonah an opportunity to obey. God doesn't give up on us easy. You see this right here. Verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he preaches to the Ninevites. And he literally says, You've got this 40-day window to get it right. In other words, you people of Nineveh, you got 40 days to get your crap together. That's not what the Bible said, but that's the gist of it, okay? Now, it's interesting, the number 40. I don't know if you've ever studied the Bible, but the number 40 has the meaning of completion. God said, I'm going to give you 40 days to complete it. So think about this. How many days was Noah on the ark? Forty. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 4, he was sent to the wilderness to be tempted for how many days? Forty. When Jesus rose from the grave and he was on the earth, this is Acts 1, he was on the earth 40 days until he ascended into heaven. Forty's big. How many days are there in October? Not 40, you would have missed that one. 31, okay. <laughs> Just checking you to make sure you're awake. Back to 40, though. It's, it's a big deal. It's a day of completion. So he gives them 40 days to get right with God, which literally means repent. Verse 5. So the people, and I highlight people. Do you know people are important to God? You know, the only thing in heaven is going to be people. That's how important people are to God. And people are so important to God that God said through Peter, he said, I desire that none perish. 
even the Ninevites. So the people of Nineveh, they believe God. Now you got to stop right there. Think about what's going on. Why do they believe God? Because this guy named Jonah, he goes and preaches the word to them. They hear the word of God and they believe God. They trust God. I, I believe in this saying here, they get born again. So they believed God, and on top of that, they proclaimed a fast. Now, this was how important it was. To proclaim a fast was a season to mourn, to say, oh, my gosh, we've been wrong. But I want you to notice a couple more words here in, in, in verse 5. And they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of these. Now, when I highlight this, they put on sackcloth. What sackcloth and ashes literally mean, and you'll see this oftentimes in the Old Testament, and when they define sackcloth, sometimes they'll use the word burlap. It was a form of sincere repentance. Man, they, they didn't just confess their sin. It was a big deal. They, they were heartbroken over their evil ways. Now, one of the reasons I'm highlighting this here because you're going to see this statement released over and over again. So we keep reading. Verse 6. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, the president, the head honcho of Nineveh. And what comes to the king of Nineveh? And he arose from his throne laid aside his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. You got to realize again, this was deep repentance. I, I believe this was tears and snot repentance. I mean, this is how, how he was moved in his heart by this. Verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the kings and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Do you know it's healthy to, to repent and cry out to God? It's healthy for us to do that. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Now this is the true definition of repentance. They confess their sin, which is only part of repentance. That's big, that you own up and confess your sin. But part of the word of repentance actually has the meaning to do a 180, to do a turn in your life. And he says, let's not just confess our sin. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And, and so God, he, he loves us to hear the word, but he really likes when we obey the word. It's one thing to hear the word, but it's a whole other thing when we obey the word. And so they're walking this out. You know, if you've gone to church here very long, I say this quite often. I believe repentance is, is the greatest daily vitamin you can take. 
But it must be heartfelt. It must be real. It must be sincere. Think about this as a child. When you did something to one of your siblings and your parents said to him, you're going you're to apologize. And you knew, yeah, I better do it. And you looked at him and I said, sorry. <laughs> you know what that means? I did it, but I really didn't want to. I did it because I knew if I didn't, I was going to have some consequences. So literally is what that is saying. I did it, but my heart wasn't there. How many have ever done stuff where you did it, but your heart's not there? And all of us. Verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Now, he's asking this question, will God relent? Would God have a change of, of what he said he would do? Again, God doesn't change, but there's some truth in this. You know, there's a song, one of my favorite songs is a song that says, he won't relent until he has it all. And what that means, he won't relent, he won't stop until he has it all. That he has every piece of my heart. See, God's not into pieces of my heart. God is in the entire part of my heart. And that is a song that is sang out of second, no, 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 Song of Solomon, chapter 8. You can find that in there. He won't relent until he has it all. And so this is what this is talking about. Now watch the, the, the words in verse 10. Then God saw their works. What did God see? That they turned from their evil way, and because they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. God relented. So you look at all this. Why did God relent? Because the people heard the word of God, they believed God, they repented, and they turned to God. So right here, the heart change is a posture of repentance. You see it very clearly here. Now, go with me into the New Testament. Actually, I'm going to ask you to hold your place right there. We're going to come back to Jonah 4. We got to get to the end of this. But go with me into the New Testament to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 And it's interesting, the story of Jonah finds itself in Matthew 12 in none other than the words of Jesus Christ. Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered. So we may ask this question. Who's the scribes and the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders of Jerusalem. They were ones that spiritually they thought they called all the shots. And I highlight something about them. They were religious, arrogant, prideful. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees. Just a bunch of arrogant folk is all who this is. So they're questioning Jesus, and it says, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. 
The reason they wanted to see a sign from Jesus is they're basically saying, we want you to authenticate that you're the Messiah. Now, the crazy thought about this is, is these people have been around Jesus day by day by day by day. They've seen him, heard him preach the word. They've seen the miracles he's done. But they said, we got to see a sign or we won't believe. Now, watch the Lord Jesus' response. And he answered in verse 39 and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And evil. Now we get the word evil. But Jesus used an interesting word. He said, an adulterous generation. If you'll notice that, he says, an adulterous generation. What is an adulterer? An adulterer is someone who is not faithful. So the Lord Jesus right here, he says to these religious, not only are you evil, you're not faithful to me at all. And he said, you seek a sign. Now keep reading. And no sign will be given to except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Stop just a minute. What was the sign of Jonah? Repent, repent. You got 40 days to get your crap together, repent. Verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So he uses this analogy. Jonah's three days, nights in the belly of the whale. The son of man will be three days and nights in the belly of the earth or hell. And think about this. Jonah got out of the belly of the whale. But the Lord Jesus is saying right here that the, the sole significance of who I am will be marked that I raised from the dead. And because I'll rise from the dead, it will show I'm the son of man. And so in order for that to happen, what do you got to do? You got to believe in Jesus. You got to believe in the word of God. So you go back to the Ninevites. They never saw God, but they believed in God. They believed in the message, the power of the word of God. There's power in the scriptures that bring salvation. If we'll listen. And so this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. Verse 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and they'll condemn it. You know what he's saying? Those ungodly men of Nineveh, those violent, ruthless men of Nineveh that gave their heart to Jesus, they're going to be the ones that we're going to point out. You've missed it. And because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. You know what he's telling the religious? You know what your problem is? You refuse to repent. You won't turn. You won't heed the scripture. Now, here's a little thought for you. If the shoe fits, maybe you ought to wear it. Woo. Woo. See, we've got to understand this. God's not into religion. 
He's into relationships. Where we come before him just as I am. Sinner. I've missed it. Anybody blown it in the last week? Thank God God doesn't do this. See, some people, the religious, they have this thought that God sits up in heaven and he's got a Texas-sized fly water. And he's just waiting to pop you. Some people think God is a God that he puts your face on a, on a tee on a golf ball and he, that's not God, okay? God is a God of mercy and grace. Now, with that thought, go back to Jonah 4 before we get carried away here. Jonah chapter 4. And as you're turning back here to Jonah 4, this is where it gets really interesting. Because the more I read Jonah 1, 2, 3, 4, I almost have the thought at times, God, why didn't you quit after chapter 3? Why didn't you just stop right there? Now, there's going to be a gold mine of information for us, but what I want to point out real quick is the book of Jonah is not about Jonah. The book of Jonah is about God. And what God's trying to do, he's trying to get Jonah to say, Jonah, just take on my heart. And so that's what he's going to speak to us. So Jonah chapter 4, verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and Jonah became angry. The message says he was furious, he lost his temper, he yelled at God. And so this dude named Jonah, he is ticked off. In the Greek, he's pissed, but that's not in the Greek, okay? He's mad, he's furious. And so you, you start reading in the, what, what's up with Jonah? What's got him so mad? Verse 2. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? In other words, he said, I knew this would happen. I knew that you were a God of grace and mercy. Now watch his wording here in verse 2. Jonah says, Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious. And I know that you are a merciful God, and I know that you're slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. He knew God's character. Now what Jonah forgets here is the God of Jonah, the God of Israel, is the God of the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the people of the world. And let me give you a little insight why Jonah's so mad. He's mad that God would save and forgive the Ninevites. He didn't want that to happen. Keep reading. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to live than to die. And I'm thinking... What the crud is he talking about? It's better for me to live than to die? So he's so mad that God would save them. He said, I'd just rather die than live. But Jonah forgets real quick that the God who bailed him out of the belly of the whale is the same God who saved the Ninevites. 
And, and the same mercy that God showed them, God showed to the Ninevites. But he says here, I, I would just soon die than these people would be saved. He was mad that God would save these sinners. Now, you got to remember, the Ninevites, remember, they're ruthless, they're violent, and they're just ugly people. Now, one thing I read, and I can't prove it, but it said that there may have been some issues that the Ninevites may have killed at one time some of Jonah's families or relatives. So here's the thought off of that. Is there a person in your life that wronged you? That you say, I've got to watch with hatred. Is there a person or a group of people in your life that you would become furious and ticked off and yell at God if you found out they got born again? How dare you, God, to save them? Now, I had a man in the first service. After the service, he caught me and he said, I hated my dad. I hated him. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, for the first 35 years of my life, I would have got mad at God. I'd say, don't save that man. He doesn't deserve to be saved. But he said, I came to a place in my life where I had to forgive him and realize no matter what I think about him, God's got value for him. Now, I told you this isn't easy. So is there a person in your life or a group of people that I got to forgive them? I got I, I to celebrate their damage. Do you know the Bible says that we shouldn't rejoice that any would perish, even our worst enemy. We should celebrate when people get So in saying that, do I need a heart transplant today? Now, I'm not going to go and read detail, in, in deep detail with my own life. But there's times that there's people I get around. How many of you ever got around people and they just rubbed you wrong? You look and you think, mm, mm, mm. When I get that, mm, I'll hear the whisper of the Lord and him say, I love them. And then when he doesn't get my attention real good, I'll hear him go into a little more authority voice. I love them. And, and you know, the man of power that I must say, I know God, I know. I know. Quit rubbing me the wrong way, God. Your standards are a little too high today. See, this is what's getting into him where he said, I'd just soon die. Okay, keep reading. Verse four. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Question mark. <laughs> so it's like the Lord is talking to us. Is it right for you to be angry? What a question. Is it right for me to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city. Now, if you'll notice in the scripture, he never answers the question. He's just so upset. He's like, I'm, I'm getting out of the city. I'm done with you, God. I'm getting out of the city. So he gets out of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat under in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. So when you read right here, 
He's looking out over the city. And he's thinking one or two things happen. He's hoping that God changes his mind. And he's really rooting that the Ninevites would lose their zeal and they would turn on God and go back to their wicked ways real quick. That's what he's hoping. And so he's a cheerleader and he said, oh gosh, I hope they start screwing up again. I hope they turn on God. And his hope is that they will have a Sodom and Gomorrah experience. You know what that means? Wiped out. This is how much anger he has in his heart. Verse 6. And if you'll note in verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, you'll see a word prepared or appointed. And so the, God, the Lord God prepared or appointed a plant. And he made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Now what's going on here? It's hot. It's Texas 90 degree, 100 degree hot. And he's in misery. Doesn't have no sunscreen. His head's burning. And God, out of the goodness of his heart, births a tree or a plant over him to give him some shade. Now when God does this, listen to what it says here. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Woo, thank you, Father God. Thank you for blessing me. I didn't even ask of that, Father God, and you still blessed me. You took care of me. Verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared or appointed a worm, and so the worm damaged the plant that it withered the next day. God appoints this worm to take care of the plant. You know what that means for Jonah? No more shade. It's back to misery. Now what I believe is going on here, I believe God has given Jonah a lesson who's in charge. In other words, you're not in charge, Jonah. I don't care how impressive you, you're not in charge. But he doesn't stop. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a imminent east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He's wearing out again. Now watch this, this is crazy. Then he wished death for himself and he said, it's better for me to live than to die. Now, this pouting prophet, he's back to dying. It shows how fickle we are as human beings. One minute he's praising God for the tree. The next minute he said, just kill me. Just kill me, God. I, I, I would rather die than to go through this. So a God who touches nature and nature obeys is the same God who touches sinners and sinners obey. Let me give you a little thought off of this. Jonah says, I like when you bless me, Father God. I really, really like it. I just don't like when you bless them. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Keep reading here because you'll see God's heart in this. Then God said to Jonah, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And Jonah said, yep, it's right for me to be angry and it's even right for me to die. It's pretty bold, talking to God. And so again, I... 
I'm okay with you taking care of me. I just get angry that you would take care of the Ninevites. Remember how sorry they are, Father God. But the Lord said, you have had my pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow. In other words, you didn't do nothing. You experienced my mercy and grace, pal, nor made it grow, which I came up at night and it perished at night. So literally what he's saying here, you go from thanking me to wanting to die. You change this quick. You go back and forth. 24 hours, you've already changed back. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, they cannot discern between right and wrong, and much livestock? And so you know what God's saying? If I want to bless you with a plant for shade, I'll do it. And if I want to take care of them for salvation and they respond to me, I'll do it. You're not God. So you know what God's saying to Jonah? You've got the message. You just don't have my heart. Woo. See, I can obey, but I don't have the right heart. And I believe these are things the Lord is saying to do. Do you obey, but you hate obeying? Now, here's the crazy thing about the book of Jonah. I never can find out what happened to Jonah. It just ends. But his name's mentioned in the New Testament. So I read all this and I have this thought. Am I heartless toward sinners? How about this? I've got to quit looking at sinners as my enemy and realize that's my mission field. That regardless of what I think about people, Father God loves them. What about this? Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. I need to see people through your eyes and your tears. And what would happen today if we said, Lord, would you just baptize me in love? You know, Galatians 5, 23, the fruit of the Spirit, the first one mentioned is love. Could I use a little more love? Do I need to be baptized? I do. I do. See, what would happen if I begin to say this? Father God, grace me to grace like you do. Father God, mercy me to mercy like you do. Father God, impart your love in me to love like you do. To forgive like you forgive. See, in order for that to happen, we've got to be what the Bible says, that he must increase and I must decrease. There's a song and part of the lyrics go like this, and I'm not going to sing it, just relax. I want to be a little more like Jesus and a little less like me. 
See, when you look at the book of Jonah, we can never forget God's in the people business. I'm going to ask you to stand up here with me. There's two types of people here today that we're going to deal with. You may be like the Ninevites. You need a savior. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus and receive him as Lord of your life, just like they did. That they confess their sin, but they also turn from their wicked ways. You can't save yourself. Nobody can choose Jesus for you. You have to do that yourself. And so just as the Lord gave the Ninevites that 40-day 40 window of opportunity here, me and you aren't guaranteed with nothing. We're not guaranteed with another day of life. So I've got a million sayings, but one of them is yesterday's over, tomorrow's not here. All I got's today. So I need to make my today's count. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. What's your relationship with Jesus? And if you say, I don't have one, I can tell you this, he loves you. He loves you, he loves you, I'm telling you. Woo, oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me so. That he loves us so much that he said, my love would cover a multitude of your sin. And so if you're here today and you're stirred by this, I'm not a stirrer, that's the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. But I welcome you here to just get out of your seat, come forward. And we're going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. That you'll leave here today knowing that I'm, I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm, I'm born again. If that's you, I, I welcome you down here right now. This is always an interesting question, but I'm always going to go ahead and do it. How many of you in here with a shadow of a doubt can say, I'm born again? Just raise your hand. I'm born again. I'm, I'm going to stick everything I got up. I'm telling you that right now. How do you know you're born again, Pastor? Because I asked Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord. Ask him to forgive me all my sins. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you better question your today. The second person in there is a guy named Jonah. And just maybe today you're like Jonah. And is there a person or is there people in my life that they have just rubbed me the wrong way? Now, when I tell you like Jonah, we got to forgive people, that doesn't mean they didn't wrong you. That, that doesn't mean they, they didn't dog you or spit in your face. It's just saying, Father God, I'm releasing them. You're God. I'm not God. 
And so here's how we're going to start on these altar calls this morning. That if you need to receive Jesus or you say, man, I'm a Jonah. I'm a Jonah. I, I, I got hate toward people. I, I, I got vengeance toward people. I, I believe God wanted to help us today. And the way God helps us is when we respond to him. And so as our team's getting ready to play here, if that's you right now, I welcome you down here. Let's just throw this in. Let's just throw another log on the fire. I'm coming down here today. Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. I, I, I need a baptism of love today, Father God. I, I need the love of God in my life. And so if that's you and this, I welcome you to down here right now. Okay, go ahead, guys. Sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.